It's good to be here. Amen. My, my nerves don't need to be calm. I'm not nervous. My wife say you nervous? No. Not, I don't get nervous. Um, I have been before. But I reckon you get 61 years old, you should know what you're talking about. And you shouldn't have no nerves. But I understand what Brother Martin said. And it's really not difficult. Being 61, you should know the Word of God. Right. You read it a few times over a few years. For the past 37, 38 years, I've studied it. So, um, actually, it's, it's not really difficult. But, again, I understand what Brother Mark's saying. It's a difficult task to stand here and proclaim the Word of God as sincerity and as pure as you can before the God of Heaven. It's His Word. Right. We're going to be faithful with it. Um, I pulled in the parking lot this morning. I have a notes in my hand. I told Sherry, I'm just not happy with these notes. I just ripped them all up, balled them up, and threw them in the floorboard. She about hit a fit. <laughs> Red, don't do that. I left her out there. I reckon she was piecing it together when I came on in. But actually, I had a second note. I had a copy. Honey, you don't have to, you don't have to worry. I knew it would make her nervous. But anyway, there you go. I, I got a second copy. She was... She was very nervous. But I made a second copy. Uh, I got a little printer, and I'm going to take it back to Sam's. I sent my wife after a printer a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. She went and bought the cheapest one. And came back, and she got what she deserved. I'm going to take it back money and get the best. It, it's worth it. You, go, you, you get what you get in life when you spend a little bit of money. So I won't send her next time. She's just trying to be conservative. But go ahead. I learned a long time ago. Just spend a little extra and get good quality. I picked a subject today. I hope it's going to be very beneficial to all of you. It's a subject that, again, 37, 38 years of unknowing it, um, a war with it, that I hope I can be some help to some younger people and all of you. I think the older saints should know a little bit about this, about giving place to the devil in your life. Right. You know, Brother Jonathan's been preaching on the Holy Spirit. But there's another spirit in this world, a very powerful spirit. The world might think we're crazy, but it's a hidden mystery to them. That's right. We're going to look at that just a little bit. Turn to the book of Job, chapter 1. Book of Job, chapter 1. Do you know, as I... If you study the Word of God, do you know the devil is not mentioned one time in the Old Testament as far as devil? Satan's only mentioned for the first time in 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 1. And he's not mentioned again until you get the book of Job. Mentioned 11 times in the book of Job alone, first, second, the first chapter, the second chapter. 15 times in the Old Testament is the word Satan mentioned. Um, not mentioned too much, is it? But we see him a lot working. We see him in the lives of many people. Now, the serpent is mentioned in Genesis chapter 3. The old serpent. He's referred to as the old serpent because he's from the beginning. It was through the snake that the devil spoke to Eve. You know, I've told someone this. They don't believe me, but they, that's okay. I believe the devil walked, the snake walked uprightly in the Garden of Eden. He, he actually stood upright and got around. The curse upon the snake was upon thy belly shall thou go all the days of thy life. That was a curse that God put upon that snake. 
I remember playing golf years ago when I was on a golf course. <clears throat> I noticed over to the rough, tall grass about this high. But above that tall grass, there was a snake looking around. He was on the end of his tail just looking around. Which, you know, he used to walk that way. He could, you ever see him go up and go straight up in the air and look? Surely can. Well, that's what he used to walk. The old serpent. But the devil and Satan is not mentioned too many times in the Old Testament. Search the Bible and see. Mentioned a lot of times in the, old, in the New Testament. About 56 times. But in about 49 verses. Book of Job. That's why I told you. Turn so I better get there. Job chapter 1. You know, if you want, if you want to read a book with your wife, I think the book of Job is one of the best. There is so much in there. Amen. I mean, there is so much wisdom in the book of Job. Those, those four men were wise men. And, of course, we know they spoke on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But Paul quoted even, even one of Job's friends in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But the book of Job is a great book to read. But here you'll find Satan mentioned 11 times in two chapters. And you, you, you basically see some of his works here. Let's read Job chapter 1, beginning at verse 6. I'll read down to about verse 12. Then I'm going to pick up chapter 2, read the first seven verses. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. This, this, he doesn't do this no more. The accuser of our brethren was cast down. Right. We know that from uh, Revelation chapter 12. But there was a time before the death of Jesus Christ that Satan went and presented himself before the Lord. The sons of God did. And Satan, which was the prince among them, he came too. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence cometh thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hath thou considered my servant Job? Well, we know he did, because you keep reading, you're going to find out. That there is none like him in the earth. Of course, the Lord knew that too. A perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth God, does Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not? Yes, he's considered Job. Made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 1, again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence cometh thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth. And from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although 
thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. And that's a true statement. If God's not with you. Right. If the Lord's with you and you are with him and abiding in him, that's not so. Put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thy hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And there you have a record of Satan and some of his works. And you see a lot of his works here. And you see a lot of his power here that he has. You, you see, it was four, four different things he did to Job in chapter 1. If you go back and read it. That he had power to do. His power is great. But unless you get fearful, I'm not going to exalt him. I'll, at the end, I'll tell you that, you know, we see here that his power is limited, obviously. Right, right. But he does have great power. He called fire out of heaven, didn't he? In chapter 1, he also sent a whirlwind. He, he's killed all of Job's children. The Lord allowed him to do that. Don't forget that. There are two powerful spirits in this world. The spirit of God and the spirit of the devil. God, of course, we know, created Satan, Lucifer. Ezekiel 28, I won't turn there. I hope you know it well. There was a day he was created, and there was a day that sin was found in him. Why was it found in him? Because God, he was non-elect. Left to himself, he sinned. If he was elected, sin would never have been found in him. This war between God and the elect and the devil and his angels and the devil and his angels and his children is a great mystery to the world. They think that we're mad, but we're not mad. We are not mad, most noble Festus. We speak forth the words of soberness and truth. It's a mystery hidden to the people of this world. There is a spirit in this world that wars against the God of heaven and against his people. There's two, two, two groups of people in this world, and only two. There's a generation of the righteous and a generation of the wicked. God is the father of the righteous. They are a chosen generation. The devil is the father of the wicked. They are not elected. Search the scriptures. John chapter 8, you should know that chapter great well. Jesus said to the Pharisees, ye are of your father the devil, and the less of your father you would do. So there's two groups of families in this world. One chosen, one not. One whose father is God, the God of heaven. One whose father is the devil. Is the Bible a book of hidden mysteries? You better believe it is. Do you know that every truth, be it whatever it may be, that you may understand is a history. It's a, excuse me, is a mystery hidden within the Word of God. That's right. I don't care what truth it is. Turn with me to First Corinthians chapter two. Then I'm going to show you a few of those mysteries, but I'm not going to go into them much because that's not really what my message is about. But I want to show you something. That every truth that you hold, whatever it is, you think about it. It's a mystery. The world doesn't understand it. We might, you know, just think about it. And I'm going to show you something in a second. In 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 through 16. 
how bit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. And it's all hidden within the word of God. It says some of them are greater mysteries. Some are, are greater in their scope and more attention is given to it. And some of them just a little bit harder to see. And thereby you will see in the scriptures that some things are referred to as a mystery. Because of the scope, because of how hard it is to see. But in reality, every truth is a mystery. Is it not? Yes. The world doesn't know what we know in right. any given thing. Which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So it's hidden from them. So whatever it is, whatever truth, it's a hidden mystery to them. As it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us how? By his spirit. Now, let me stop there a second. Does God reveal the truth to us only by his spirit? Like the charismatic may believe? Or does he? There you go, Paul. He uses the word of God. Is this not some supernatural revelation? You've got to get in the word of God and search it. Right. And then those hidden mis- uh, uh, mysteries are revealed to you. Look at this one page over. Romans chapter 16. Verse 25. Now him that is of power to establish you. 1625 book of Romans. You, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world begun. But now is made manifest. Why? How? And by the scriptures. God reveals these mysteries to us by his spirit using the word of God. And that's how these mysteries are revealed to us. To the degree that you apply yourselves, that's what they reveal to you. And to the degree God is willing to reveal it to you. But that's how they reveal. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit and by the scriptures. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, which Brother Jonathan's been preaching on, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. They're there. Wait for you to get them out of there. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but that which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, who is unregenerated, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish unto it, number one. Neither can he know them, he can't even know them. Why? Because they're spiritually discerned. They have got to get regenerated. They've got to get light. It's so foolish to go out here and try to get an unregenerate man regenerated. He's got to have light before he can hear. That's a, that's a, a given. Let me finish reading this quickly. But he that is spiritual judges 
all things, or simply knows all things. We know the judge means no. Next verse is going to tell us that. Yet he himself is judge of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, thereby we can understand these mysteries revealed to us in the word of God. Let's look at some of them quickly. Then I'm going to bring you right into the subject. You said, Red, you take us kind of into the back door. Well, you know, I read, as I read, I read the scriptures over so many times. As I read Jesus Christ preaching, it's amazing how he incorporated four or five subjects into one subject. Right. Search and see if he didn't do that. I'm not going to turn you to some of these. You should know them well. The book of Mark, chapter 4, verse 11, talks about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9. Having made known unto us what? The mystery of his will. Has he made it known unto us? Yes. Perfectly. We're still learning it. But he's made it known unto us. The mystery of his will. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Matter of fact. I'll make it simple for you. Just stay in Ephesians. Here's another mystery. Ephesians 3 verse 4. Whereby when you... When you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ. What is the mystery of Christ? Let's see what it is. Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of man, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirits. Here it is. The mystery of Christ is this. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body, partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That's a mystery. Hidden in the word of God, revealed to us by the Spirit of God. That's a mystery. Another mystery you find in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm not going to turn there. About Christ and his church. It's a great mystery. Doesn't Paul say that? But let me show you another one. Ephesians chapter 6. Most people don't even know this mystery. Especially the group I came out of, the fundamentalists. And there's some good people in there. Don't misunderstand me. i got some friends in there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. And as for me, the others may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of what? The gospel. Amen. What's the mystery of the gospel? You mean to tell what the mystery of the gospel is? Simply to break, break it down. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish or have everlasting life. The mystery of the gospel is this. God's love is no longer confined to the Jewish nation. But now the gospel is to the world, Jews and Gentiles. It's all without distinction. Not all without exception. Jews and Gentiles. How do I know that? That's a mystery hidden in the word of God. Can I give you about three, four verses to support that? Let's look. I can give you a whole bunch. Romans chapter 3. The mystery of the gospel is that his love is no longer confound, confined to the Jewish nation. Jesus, speaking to the Nicodemus, a Jew, he was revealing to Nicodemus, God's love is now to Jews and Gentiles. But among the Jews and among the Gentiles, he has an elect people. But I'll tell you, turn chapter 3 of Romans, verse 29. Is he the God of the Jews only? Well, he was in the Old Testament. Wasn't he? You better believe he was. Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. He's not only the gods of the Jews, 
but also the Gentiles. Romans chapter 9 and verse 24. This is the mystery of the gospel. Even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. The mystery of the gospel. Romans chapter 10. It says this. This is good. Verse 12. For there is no difference. There was a major difference in the Old Testament. He was not the God of the Philistines. He was not the God of the Egyptians. He was a God of the Israelites. But now, under the gospel, there is no difference between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever, Jews and Greek, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But if you call, then God regenerated you, made you call. That's the mystery of the gospel. One more mystery. How about the mystery of the resurrection? Paul said, behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we should be changed in a moment. And what? Of an eye. And we should be changed. When? Oh, me. At the last trump. That's still a mystery to many people. Do you know that? They, they get that last trump mixed up. Had a guy come to my door at my house many years ago. And I decided to play with him just a little bit. I knew he was a, his church down the road was Independent Fundamental Baptist Church. I knew well what they believed, but I was part of them. And he, you know, he, he was talking to me. And, and I told him I really couldn't come because I don't really see it the way they see it anymore. This was 30-some years ago. And I used this verse on him. I said, Paul says here, he's going to show you a mystery. That we, show, that we should be changed at the last trump. Now, at last, I think, means last. I reached in my pocket. I said, if I give you my last dollar, do I have any more dollars in my pocket? He said, no. I said, well, Paul said we're going to be changed at the last trump. There's no more trumpets after the last. Go in the book of Revelation, the seven vows, the seven trumpets, and the, the seven seals. They all one and the same if you know your Bible. They're not seven different, they're not 21 different things. Paul is just showing you seven different views of the same event over and over. One's from a bird eye view this way, one be down here looking this way, but it's the same event. All of those seven vowels, seven trumpets, and seven seals are the same. And each one of those have the seven seals, the seven vowels, and the seven trumpets. They all, and in every one of them, the world comes to an end. Once that seven seal is open, time's no more. Once that seven trumpet sounds, time's no more. Once that seven, and the same thing, all of them. When the last one sounds, it's finished. The mystery of the resurrection, the resurrection is still a mystery to many people. When Jesus comes again, the trumpet's going to sound, there'll be time no more. Right. No seven-year period of tribulation. No thousand-year reigns here on earth. No, time is finished at the last trumpet. When the saints are resurrected, there's time no more. That's a mystery. But now let's get into our messages. I kind of took a long way to get here, didn't I? But I just want to show you this is a mystery too. The mystery that we have a great enemy. And this enemy is out to destroy our souls. Let the world mock if they want to. I know he's real. I started to preach on it this week, and he tested me. <coughs> has he ever tested you? Amen. You better believe he has. If you want a God's elect, I want to teach and speak a little bit about this great mystery. 
that there is a powerful spirit in this world. Turn to Ephesians 4. That God Almighty has told us not to give place to. And we're going to look at it. We're going to look at a few things about this. It's real. He's here. Obviously, greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. And Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, it said, By nothing are we terrified by him. Why? Because we are God's children. But if you ever let down your guard, and if you do some of the things I'm going to mention, then you're going to open up the door, and you're going to invite him to come in, and he's going to destroy your life. Right. Hear me well. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Can we give place to the devil? We obviously can. Yes, indeed we can. The Word of God says we can. Have you seen that commercial? I hate to ask you this, but that guy says, Ozzy Osbourne, he says he's the prince of darkness. You know that rock singer who bites the heads off of bats at the concerts? He's got a few demons in him, but I've got news for him. He's not the prince of darkness. He says he's been the prince of darkness since 1979. But I got news for him. There's one way before him. And if he met this prince of darkness, his loins would be loose. He is not the prince of darkness. There is a prince of darkness. And you do not want to meet him. Without being abiding in Christ. He will rip you to threads. He will destroy you quicker you can blink your eyes. If you are not abiding in the word of God. Let's look at and see what... uh, what the devil can do to you if you give a if you give place to him. I got a few things. I know I can't stay alone. He can take control of your heart real quick. You believe that? Yeah. Give him place and see if he can't just get in there and control you. You know who's the most susceptible people to allowing the devil to do this? Youth. Youth. Let's look at first Timothy chapter one. I know you. I've been there, and he's had part. He's he's had a place in my life because of some of these very things I'm going to read about. I know I have allowed him in my life more times than one, and more times than I want to. By by these few things here mentioned, talking about qualification of a bishop and a deacon, but bishop here it says in verse six. That not a novice, why Paul, lest be lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. You know, a, 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 a novice or a beginner or someone young, it could be a beginner in the faith, but it makes no difference. It, you can't be lifted up with pride and fall into the condemnation of the devil. And he will get he will get you so quickly. In verse seven, moreover, he must have a good report of them that were without, lest he fall into the reproach. And snare the devil. It's easy to fall into the condemnation, reproach, and snare the devil. He, he can take control of you so fast. You know, some he can take you captive to be his servant. Can he? Second Timothy, look at it. You know the verses. Second Timothy 2.26. It says this. And, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Who are taken captive by him at his will. And you will be helpless if God turns you over or if you leave the word of God. Do you know that he desires to have certain saints? 
that he may sift them as wheat? Behold, Simon, 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 behold, Satan hath desired to have you, Luke 22, that he may sift you as sand. And guess what? He can do that to you. He sifts Simon just a little bit later. Simon was boasting about, though I'll leave thee, I won't leave thee. And the Lord was letting him know, oh, yes. Satan always wants you. He wants to show you how easy he can sift you. And he did. And after the Lord's resurrection, and there in John chapter 20, that's why he asked Peter three times. Peter, lovest thou me? And the third time, Peter was very grieved. He said, Lord, what do you say? Thou knowest that I love thee. The Lord already told him that before the cock crowed three times, you're going to deny me. So the Lord wanted to show him and said, Peter, I'm God. I'm Jesus, but I'm, I know all things. I told you you're going to deny me. And he made Peter make that confession to him. That's why, that's why he asked him three. Thank you, Peter, for confession. Now you know I know all things. Satan can sift any of us. Right. He can actually sift every one of us before the sun goes down tonight. Right. We've got to be careful. Do you know he can put words into your heart? He, he doesn't dwell within us, but he can put words in your heart. Can he? Mm-hmm. Look at Matthew chapter 16. Right. Matthew 16. You know something? And the words that you might be saying, it might sound pretty good to you. Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. And verse 21, the Lord is going to tell him about how he's going to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elder chief priests and scribes, and be killed, be raised again the third day. And notice what Peter said in verse 22. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. What, where did that spirit come from? Mm-hmm. Saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto him, get thee behind me. What? Satan, Satan was talking through Peter. He was making Peter seem like he had a lot of zeal going to protect the Lord. But the Lord said, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou sirest not the things that be of God, but things that be of man. Even good men can be, the devil can speak through them. So he can, he can speak, he can put words in your mouth. He also can take words out of your heart. Do you believe that? You know the parable of the sower? Son fell by the wayside. And what happened? The enemy came and snatched it right out of their heart. That it bring forth not fruit. You know, when you hear the word of God preach or teach, or if you read it yourself, to the degree you apply yourself to protect it, it's to the degree it's going to be protected. But if you just half-heartedly hear and your heart's not truly in it, most likely it's going to be snatched right out. The devil will snatch it out faster, and you really don't get much out. Because you haven't been too diligent, and God just let the devil come along and snatch it right out of your heart. I'm speaking words of soberness and truth. These are hidden to the world, but they should be revealed to us. Do you know he can provoke you to sin? You know, he can provoke some of the most righteous godly men. Did Satan provoke David? First, First Chronicles 21.1, you know he did. Satan stood before David and provoked him to number Israel. And David did it. Pride got in his heart. He just wanted to see how big of a, of a nation he had. He would not number Israel. The Lord smoked him. He repented, showed a great humility. But the, the devil provoked him to do that. Right. Do you know the devil can provoke you to do certain things? If you allow him to provoke you, give him place to him. If you don't protect the word of God in your life as is preached to you, you give him place to him. Right. And you don't deserve anything. 
All these things he can do and a whole lot more. I can't stay long. I got some notes here. I don't even like notes. I hate them. I think I can do better without them sometimes. Do you know? This should hit home just a little bit closer. He can use anybody to break you down. Right. And guess who he generally uses? Your wife, your husband, or your children. He tried to break Job down, didn't he? After he sent the boils to him, he took all his children away from him. Then his wife said, won't you just go ahead and curse God and die? He generally would come in your life and use something that's very dear to you to break you down. He knows the person he can use to break you down, to get a place in your life. And it's generally your wife, husband, or children. It could be someone else, but someone very close to you. And if you allow him to use any, anything like that to break you down, to allow him that place in your life, you're very weak. Think about it. He, he uses things like that. If he can't get you to do this, he comes at you in another avenue. He uses many tactics against us. Right. You know he can tempt husband and wife for their incontency. First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, won't turn there. But many such things does, does a devil do. To break us down. To get a place in our lives. Are you going to allow him a place in your life? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 2. Verse 11. You know exactly where I'm going. This is not a deep sermon. And I know it's not deep. But I just want to be helpful. That's all I wanted. I just want to help God's people. Can I preach deep? I'm sure I can. But this is what the Lord put on my heart. It's for all of you. It's for me. Here, Paul was telling the church of Carmen, we know the story well about the, per, the young man that sinned. He took his father's wife. Later on, he repented. He was, he was at the point of being overwhelmed with much sorrow because they were not yet receiving him back. And Paul warned him that could be one of the, your, your zeal could be a false zeal. The devil could use that as a, and as a disadvantage to that young man and make you think that you're holy and righteous. We are not eager his devices. That's another advice he used. Let's read, right, let's read right here in verse 11. Verse 10. To whom ye forgive any, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it, and the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant. We're not totally, we don't have, we don't understand him. He's much greater than we are. But the word of God is our help. He has devices he can use against us to make us ignorant. We must, we must labor to not be ignorant of his devices. So I want to give you some areas here. Some sins can be in our lives that the devil can use to get advantage over us and take up a place in our hearts. First sin. This is the, and this sin is the most like the devil than any sin you can think of. Pride. Being high men, high minded. Looking on your own things and not on the things of others. We shouldn't do that. As much as lies within us, we should labor against pride. Any prideful thought that comes in you, and any, it comes in all of us. I'm sad to say, I hate it. But if it comes in us, we must labor to put it away. Because if you allow pride to stay there, Festa, and you begin to think on it, you've given place to the devil in your life. Right. And that's the area that he wants the most place. Right. He, because that's who he is. I will ascend up to heaven and be like the most high. Right. 
pride. We must labor against pride. I want to read this. I read this this past week, and I kind of chuckled when I read it. Mark chapter 9. Let's look at it. The Lord shut their mouths so quickly. The disciples were talking. And the Lord knew exactly what they were talking about, but he just wanted them to make a confession. Mark chapter 9, verse 33. And he came to Capernaum. In Mark 9, 33. And being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? I love this. And they held their peace. He smote them in their breasts of their sin. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be counted, who should be the greatest. And he, then the Lord sat down and taught them a lesson on humility. But that wasn't the only time they did it. You search the scriptures, Luke 22, many other times they always, and they got mad at the other brethren for doing certain things that kind of getting advantage over them. But pride is a great sin. Right. Where pride is in your heart, you give them place to the devil. It comes in all of us. It's in our members, but we must mortify it. If you don't mortify it, the devil's taking control of you. He has a place in you. Shame on you. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. If I wear you down, just wave your hand. I'll shut the book and sit down. I love this chapter. I say in verse 3 of Romans 12. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. A person can get so drunk on themselves, but God tells us to think soberly. According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. You might have, you might be proud of, very proud about something in your life, but guess what? The God of heaven has dealt to every man a measure of faith. Right. And you, and it's, it's like a, we, we, let's read on. For we, for as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ. Every one member is one of another. This body right here, this finger can't say to this leg, I have no need of it. I need these legs right now to stand up. I need these eyes to read the scriptures to you. And so forth and so on. God has tempered the spiritual body of Christ together that no member can say, I don't, have, I don't need you. We need each other. Matthew Jones has gifts I, I would never have in this life. And another brother might have gifts I'll never have. I hate to sing because I sound awful. But uh, so forth and so on. God has given us different gifts. We should never think too highly of our gift. Besides, we wasn't really born with it. It's a gift from heaven. Whatever right. gift you have, it's a gift that God gave you. Yeah. Use it for his glory and be humble with it. Another sin, you allow the devil to have a place in your life. Be discontent. Are you a discontented person? To the degree or you are discontented, the devil's taking up a bow in your life. Right. Discontentment and murmuring to me is the two greatest it's awful sins. It should never be once named upon us as saints. Look with me in Philippians, uh, Philippians 4 quickly. Philippians 4, verse 10, down to verse 13. I, I pray to God that if you're discontented, this will help you. Because you've given a place to the devil in your life. Don't be discontented. Learn to be content with such things in and, and, and the state that God gave you. You know, Job, Job could have been very discontented when God took his children away from him. That would crush me. But he handled it well. But I rejoice in the Lord in verse 10 greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful. 
but you lack opportunity. Not that I speak in respect or won't, for I have learned, and we need to learn this, in whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. For I know how both to abase and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need, and any other thing you can think of. Learn to be contented. It's an awful sin. It should never be once named among you as saints. Another thing, you give place to the devil in your life. Practice, practice being a hypocrite in your heart. You know, there's a lot of people. They're, they're, let's just look at Amos. Amos 8. I could, I could probably give you a bunch of verses on this. I just chose one. The first one came to my mind, actually. Religious people. Amos. Amos chapter 8, verse 4 to 6. You know, Job said that the hypocrites hope shall perish. There's many people, they say one thing and they're just hypocrite. They, they, their life don't even match up what they're saying. They're a hypocrite in their heart. In their heart, they're thinking this. They're thinking that. But they sit among God's people. Maybe they just not give a place to the devil. Maybe the devil's just taking up a boat in them and just lives in them. It's so much contrary to Christianity. But I see it. You see it. I said Romans, I mean, Amos 8, verse 4. Hear this, O ye that swallowed up the needy, even make the poor of the land to fail, saying, when will the new moon be gone? They were, all they care about, they didn't care about worshiping God. They didn't care anything about the God of heaven. They care about this earth, and they, these are belly worshipers. That we may sell corn, and the Sabbath, they hated the Sabbath. That we may set forth wheat. Making the ephah small instead of large, and the shekel great, falsifying the balances by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat. That's everything about that is contrary to the word of God, contrary to Christianity. And but there's a lot of people who name the name of Christ is just like this in their heart. And you know who you are. You know who you are better than I know who you are. And shame on you if you like this. Let me show you another thing. You give place to the devil in your life. And I can really elaborate on this. I'm going to make it really short. Be ignorant of the word of God. You know, a lot of people do things in the name of Christianity because they're ignorant of the word of God. Paul, even the Lord said a time will come that those who kill you would think they're doing God's service. Turn with me in Mark chapter 7. The Lord had... The Lord came down on these people more harder than anybody in the Word of God. Is these people who were ignorant of the Word of God, professed to be children of God, but they were totally ignorant. Then came together, in verse 1, unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes and which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say, with unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands off, eat not, holding the, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they were come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, and read Matthew 15 and help you out. 
which they have received to hold as washing cups, and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked them, Why walketh not thy disciples according to the, the word of God? No. To the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands. And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. They were religious people, but they were eating the word of God. As it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How bit in vain do they worship me? Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold tradition of men, such as, uh, as washing the pots and the cups, and many such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Right. And on and on I keep reading. You know, knowledge of the word of God will keep the devil out of your life. Be ignorant of the word of God, you're going to have a place in your life. And you'll, be, you'll think you're pretty religious. And as a matter of fact, you would even condemn those who are doing it in the right way. That's what ignorance does to you. I'm going to show you another person who, who's given place to the devil. Turn with me to Ezekiel. Well, I didn't write the verse down, so let's see if I can find it. I should have kept that piece of paper. I threw, I threw, <laughs> I threw away in front of my wife. And I was trying to scare her. I think I had that verse on there. Ezekiel 33. I can find it. Let's see here. Ezekiel 33, verse 31. And they come unto, they, this is the Lord talking to, to Ezekiel. And they come unto thee, they only give lip service, but their heart is so far from God. If we only give lip service and we don't put our heart into it, the devil has a place in our life. They come to thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song, of one that hath a pleasant voice, and they can play well on the instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do, they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, and lo, it will, then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. Do you only give lip service? And guess what? You give in place to the devil. So if that's all you do. You know, one more point. I'm going to move on try to bring this to a close. A close. You know, what do we do in our life? We should do it to the very best of our ability. If you halfway do, your Christian's walk and service to God and to other people, then if your heart's not truly in it and you don't truly give it your best every day you live, then you give in place to the devil. In any area, you pick one. I could pick a bunch of them. How about just reading your Bible, reading the Word of God with your wife at night? If you don't do it with all your might or to the best you can, then you give in place to the devil. How about prayer? How about loving the brethren? Where do you want me to stop at? You name a few yourself. 
If you don't do the best that you can do, then you, the devil has taken up a place in your life. And he's enjoying it. And you don't even know it. Let me give you some protections. I'm going to close. How you can protect yourself from giving place to the devil. I think this is most important. You must highly esteem the word of God. What did Job say? You know, well, I'm not even quoted. Job esteemed the word of God above his necessary food. To what degree do you esteem the word of God? You measure that and you tell me, does the devil have a place in your life? If you do not esteem the word of God, and you know if you do, your wife knows if you do, your husband knows if you do, your children know if you do or don't. To whatever degree you do is the degree the devil has placed in your life. And uh, Deuteronomy, I won't turn there because I'm, I see some of you get a little tired. In Deuteronomy 32, 15, Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. They lightly esteemed the rock of their salvation. They didn't esteem God to, to, to the degree they should esteem him. And when that happens in your life, the devil is taking up a place in your life. Let's highly esteem the word of God, esteem the God who gave us that word, and to the degree you do, and abide in him, you're keeping the devil out of your life. You know, when Peter said, be vigilant, be sober, for your adversary, the devil, walking about as a roaring lion, seeking he may devour. So obviously we should be watchful, we should be sober, and we should be consistent in our daily walk with God. Inconsistencies open up the door. Here's another point. We should not overabuse this world. Obviously we've got to use it. We live in it. There's certain things we've got to do. We've got to traffic in this world. But let's be careful that we don't abuse this world. First Corinthians, Corinthians 7, 31 and 32. You got wives, you got a husband. Keep that relationship in its proper perspective. But remember who you are and where you're heading and, and the task that God's given you to do. To the degree you do that, you're keeping the devil out of your life. Another thing, I think this is very important. I think it's important because of the parable of the sower. Arm yourself with suffering. First, First Peter chapter four, verse one. You know that as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, we are we ourselves likewise shall arm ourselves. You know that verse in Mark. Let me let me read this verse to you in Mark chapter ten. I know you know it, but you got to see it again. We, we we love this verse, but there's something in there you got to see. You know something when persecution arises, people have a tendency to withdraw from it. And once you do that, the devil comes in. He's got a place in your life where you realize not. If you refuse suffering or persecution because of the word of God, the devil's going to take up a bow in your life. You might not know it. You might not even acknowledge it. But he will. In Mark chapter 10. Did I say 10? 10? Verse 30. Well, I should have kept my... Oh, here it is. He shall receive... It's talking about those who forsake all and follow Christ in verse 10 of 30. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. What? With persecution. Hallelujah. God's called us to suffer for him. He suffered for us. Why shouldn't we suffer a little bit in this life for him? We should. Be willing to do that. If you shy away from it. 
You're only giving the devil a place in your life. Let me close with this verse right here. See, I, I did okay, time-wise. You don't want to overuse uh, wire people down, especially if you're not a great public speaker. But if you got the Word of God and people love it, every bit of thing's sweet. Thank God for that. That's, I take cover of that. So I know if you're hungry, you, you hear the Word of God. Here's the verse I've taken for myself. I'm asking you to take it for yourself. If you take this verse and live by it, I better keep my glasses on. Can't put my eyes up yet. Acts chapter 24. If you take this verse and live by it and keep it always before your eyes, always, it will save you from a lot. 24 verse 16. The Apostle Paul said he did this. I try to do it myself. If you try to do this, you'll keep the devil out of your life. And herein do I exercise myself. How do you exercise yourself, Paul? What kind of machine did you buy? You know, what's that little program key? (laughs) My wife's laughing because she just bought one. Well, here's how you exercise yourself. I'm not picking on you. Herein do I exercise myself to have, I love this, always a conscious void of offense towards who? Towards God and towards man. Towards men. If you labor to have a, a, a conscious void of offense towards the God of heaven and towards men, the devil will stay out of your life. He will, it says resist the devil. He will flee from you. Doesn't it? James chapter 4. Resist him. Live that way. Keep that verse before you and the devil will flee from you and you'll live a victorious Christian life. Thank you for listening to me. Let's bow our heads and we pray and be dismissed and go get a little, little bit to eat. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your good attendance to the Word of God. May the Word of God, may the Lord bless His Word to you. Yeah. Our Father in heaven, blessed God in heaven, yes. we lift up our voice to Thee with thanksgiving. We are so blessed above all people. Yes. We are blessed because. Thou and your rich mercy and grace has given us the word of God. And all these hidden mysteries, and there are so many of them. Even how we can live a victorious Christian life is a mystery to the world. But it's been revealed to us. Lord, we pray that you take the word that's been sown. Keep and may the devil not come and take it out of these hearts. May everyone hear the word of God very carefully. Apply it to their life. And may none of us give place to the devil. We serve the Lord God of heaven and earth. And may all that we do, may we do it like Paul did. May we exercise ourselves always to have a consciousness void of offense towards you and towards all men. And may the Lord be with us. Lord bless us, we pray. Direct and lead us to bring glory to thy name. Amen.